Gen Z is about expression and being a leader and making a change in the world. Hi, everyone. I'm Abby Hamblin. And I'm Christy Totten. From the San Diego Union Tribune, this is Hello, Gen Z. It's a podcast about the generation of young people born 1997 or after that is coming of age at a crucial moment in history. Gen Z is about to vote in their first elections, they're choosing where to go to college, and they're entering the workforce, or at least trying to, as a pandemic changes everything. They're already shaping the world. Think about Mulalu Yousafzai, Greta Thunberg, and Simone Biles. They're all Gen Z. We put more than a year of research and talking with Gen Z into this series. We're millennials, so we've been written about over and over again without our input. And that's exactly what we want to avoid here. We're going to pass the mic to them. So we're not all one thing. We're like TikTok generation, and we're also like the process generation. Like We are like everything at once. Open-minded. I think like if it comes down to one word, where it's just you see it's more of a generation with blurred race lines, blurred gender, blurred sex lines. I don't know, I just say epic. We're epic. We're awesome. So yes, you'll be hearing from us along the way, but think of us as your tour guides. This podcast is for everyone, and we hope it starts a conversation and puts Generation Z in the spotlight. In future episodes, you're going to hear their views on race, politics, mental health, identity, and so much more. Today, we're going to go over some of the highlights. In some ways, Gen Z is similar to other generations, but in other ways, they're completely different starting with the fact that they're the most racially and ethnically diverse generation ever. And that's going to impact everything from pop culture to politics. The United States is expected to be minority white within 25 years, and the population under 16 years old already is. With this generation's demographic makeup, there's no ignoring the subject of race anymore. Racial disparities during the pandemic and the killing of George Floyd put these issues front and center. So we're just going to talk about it. Or more specifically, we can ask Gen Z about it. My generation is so like well connected and so so strong on this because we're all holding each other accountable and we're we're seeing it more than ever and we're using social media to that power. You know, we're using social media to out people, we're using social media to spread awareness. There's really no excuse because we're seeing it firsthand. We're seeing video evidence. And the only, I mean, at this point, after all the things that I've seen on social media and that everyone else has seen, if you still don't agree with this movement, then clearly you have, you have a problem. Gen Z uses social media to organize protests, educate each other, and just put themselves out there. Faroza Aziz is a 17-year-old from New Jersey who posted this TikTok that got millions of views. Hi guys, so I'm going to teach you guys how to get long lashes. So the first thing you need to do is grab your lash curler, curl your lashes, obviously. Then you're going to put them down and use your phone that you're using right now to search up what's happening in China, how they're getting concentration camps, throwing innocent Muslims in there, separating their families from each other, kidnapping them, murdering them, raping them, forcing them to eat pork, forcing them to drink, forcing them to convert different religions, if not, or else they're going to, of course, get murdered. People that go into these concentration camps don't come back alive. This is another Holocaust, yet no one is talking about it. Please be aware. Please spread awareness. And yeah, so you can grab your lash curler again. Even their schools are doing some self-reflection. Look at Oklahoma. It's working on a special new curriculum to do a better job teaching about the 1921 Tulsa race massacre. 
And over the past few years, high schools in California and elsewhere have started teaching ethnic studies. So let's stand up, let's do our poems. Uh, no phones, get your headphones up the ears. I think that ethnic studies could be really, really beneficial to people of color and white people because like the history of people of color and history from the perspective of people of color is just history. And that's something that is important for us to learn about, again, when we're talking about our positionality in society. That was Ana de Almeida Amaral, who developed an ethnic studies curriculum for her high school in Chula Vista, California. We're going to get into that in an upcoming episode. The election is another place where race is coming up. Early on, the candidates were diverse. They were Asian, Black, Latino, and they were young, too. Pete Buttigieg is gay and in his late 30s. But ultimately, Joe Biden will face President Donald Trump. We asked Gen Z what they want in a leader. I think the perfect example of someone that could represent our generation and what we really want to see happen is someone that has personal experience dealing with all of these different kinds of issues that we talk about and they know what it looks like, what it feels like, and what should be done about it. When Barack Obama was elected in 2008, some people said we are living in a post-racial society, but in his farewell speech, he said that was never realistic. Race remains a potent and often divisive force in our society. Now, I've lived long enough to know that race relations are better than they were 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, no matter what some folks say. You can see it not just in statistics. You see it in the attitudes of young Americans across the political spectrum. But we're not where we need to be. But many Americans still dream of that post-racial society. It's a dream that's been around a long time. Just as I have a dream. Will we ever reach that point? Today, the youngest generation is literally changing the face of America, and they're speaking up about it. Gen Z is revolutionary, excited, prepared, most importantly capable, um, and just in general, fired up and ready. We surveyed nearly 200 members of Gen Z, interviewed dozens in person and online, met with groups, and also talked to experts who have worked with them and studied them. We're your hosts, but it's the voices of Gen Z you'll be hearing from the most. So stick around, because whether you're ready for it or not, this is your America. Say hello to Gen Z. Before we get started, let's talk about what a generation even is. So give me the rundown, Christy. Yeah, I had to look a lot of this up. So a generation is a group of people born around the same time who tend to have similar experiences and worldviews. A generation typically spans about 15 years, but that can vary. And technology plays a role, too, since the tech that you grow up with shapes the way you experience the world. And it's not just technology itself, but the rate at which it develops. Generations may in the future span even a shorter number of years because technology is changing at such a rapid pace that people are growing up in different circumstances maybe every five years instead of every 15 years. That was Kim Parker, the director of social trends at Pew Research. What she said makes sense. Think about it. 
In a few decades, we went from no one even having a computer to more than 80% of Americans owning what basically amounts to a handheld computer. And it turns out generations are kind of a modern concept. Baby boomers born between 1946 and 1964 were the first generation to be defined in real time, while older generations like the GI generation born 1901 to 1927 and the silent generation born 1928 to 1945 were named retroactively. Okay, wait, so tell me more about these names because I'm sure everybody has heard OK Boomer by now. Yeah, so baby boomers were named because the U.S. Census Bureau reported a baby boom after World War II. But that's pretty much the only generation so far to be named by the government. Gen X was made popular by a 1990s novel called Generation X, Tales for an Accelerated Culture. Gen X was born 1965 to 1980. Millennials were called Gen Y early on because they followed Gen X, but of course that never caught on. They got their name from two researchers who noted millennials born 1981 to 1996 would come of age during the turn of the century or the millennium. Yeah, I didn't know that whole thing about Gen Y. But uh, on to Gen Z. There's still some discussion over the name, but it looks like Gen Z is here to stay. We've seen iGeneration as another suggestion because they grew up with iPhones. Yeah, Homelander was another. It's a reference to the Department of Homeland Security because most members of Gen Z were born after 9-11 or they're too young to remember it, so it's a defining characteristic among their group. Anyway, Gen Z is just called Gen Z because it follows that XYZ pattern, and it's the most widely used in search results, pop culture, and journalism. Makes sense. You may also hear them referred to as Zoomers. And because of the pandemic, one researcher even suggested Generation Z should be called Generation V for virus. When we talked to members of Gen Z before the pandemic, some offered an equally dark view on the name. That it's a Z because they'll be the last generation before we destroy our planet. Yeah, that sounds like Gen Z. If you've never heard of Gen Z, don't worry, you're definitely not alone. And if you have, but you have a negative perception, they've heard it all before. What do you think, (laughs) what do you think older generations think of your generation? Rowdy, lazy, (laughs) Um, hyperactive. (laughs) You're gonna confuse us for millennials. We asked them how they describe their generation and we got some pretty good answers. Powerful, like, straight up so powerful i think we're recognizing that we are we have a lot of power like especially in politics so definitely powerful i would say that generation z is again the most connected generation and i think so far the most caring generation and i feel like we are so dedicated to educating each other like and i've seen that so much i mean and i've done that a lot i've tried i really try to educate my peers and I think because we're, you know, we're still young, it's so much easier to change your opinions. And we're also very good at telling each other that it's okay to change your opinions. It's okay to be wrong and then admit that you're gonna get better. It's okay to do these things. And I feel like a lot of the older generations were never taught that.
Pew Research says that Gen Z is similar to millennials in its views on social and political issues. For example, Gen Z mostly supports same-sex marriage, and they believe the government should do more, not less, to solve America's problems. But its members have unique qualities, too. Uh, my name's Khadija. I am 19, and my pronouns are she, hers, and her. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm 20 years old. My pronouns are he and his. Hi, my name is M. I'm 18 years old. Um, my pronouns are they and theirs. Although it's not the only generation to do so, Gen Z identifies as gender fluid and gender non-binary way more often than millennials or other generations. You just heard that and how that group introduced themselves when they sat down to talk with us. Of course, digital connections are a defining trait of Gen Z, too. Here's Kim Parker from Pew again. Gen Z, they've entered onto the scene with all of these things at their disposal and with iPhones as a part of everyday life. And so their level of connectivity, their exposure to and participation in social media, in you know streaming of TV shows, all of those kinds of technologies that they take for granted that millennials also all of us participate in, but we've had to adapt to. Mm -hmm. But for Gen Z, this is just part of the world that they exist in. So I think that is going to be, um, it's, it's something that distinguishes them for sure. Also on a tech note, Gen Z gets most of its news from YouTube, TikTok, and social media. But unlike other generations, Gen Z doesn't see that as a bad thing. And finally, Gen Z is on track to be the most educated generation yet. Kim told us Gen Z is enrolling in college at a higher rate than millennials were at the same age, and Gen Z's parents are more educated than millennials' parents. It's an upward trend in America. We reference Pew Research a lot because it's done a ton of work tracking Gen Z so far, but we've done our own research too. Yes, we've surveyed members of Gen Z online, we've met with groups like the San Diego Youth Council, the Blue Heart Foundation, college clubs and classes, and we just generally went to the places where Gen Z was hanging out. We talked to some of the Black Lives Matter protesters this year, and I interviewed a bunch of students during the big climate change strike in September of last year. Why is it important to you? Um, well, I decided to come out and participate because I because we need to make sure that people know that this is something that's very important because, sure, a lot of the older people and a lot of people won't be here to see the effects of what they have, what their pollution and what their, um, what everything they've done has, but we will, because we are the young ones. We are the one that has to see all of this happen. We're the one that has to face the repercussions. One person I spoke to there was wearing a dumpster fire t-shirt and holding a poster of SpongeBob SquarePants on a melting ice cap. And I was just like, <laughs> hello, Gen Z. Of all the young people we surveyed in San Diego, 77% said they have discussed race with their families, and almost all of them said they have friends of different ethnic backgrounds. That's different from their predecessors on a national scale who say they only have some interaction with people of other races. So Gen Z is doing things differently. Like, I want to say that people, like, often older generations don't believe in us, and they have... Like, they kind of, like, put us aside because they think that we're not powerful. But I feel like because of that, we be we're becoming a very powerful generation. Gen Z is definitely very aware of its unique position. 
I talked to a therapist who works with them, and she said she notices a lot how Gen Z really refers to themselves as Gen Z. I think it helps that they already have their name and can unify behind it. And we've seen that in our own reporting. Gen Z is constantly seeing themselves reflected back at themselves through social media, which seems to reinforce this collective identity. You know, these are very empowered young people, and they want to set the record straight on what they're all about. A lot of them said that older generations think they're lazy and obsessed with their phones when, in reality, they say they're using their phones to be informed and organized. Oh, there's so many. I feel like one is this idea of like being addicted to the internet, which is like not wrong. Like people are attached to their cell phone and stuff, but I think every other generation before us has had like their thing as well. Like if you think about like when the printing press was invented, like people sat in restaurants and read newspapers and didn't talk to each other the same way that sometimes people don't talk to each other because they're on their phones. We've seen how fast they move organizing racial protests on Instagram. One of them told us, quote, they just handle their business from the palm of their hands now. They're making a name in politics, too, even when some of them aren't old enough to vote. I know there's definitely like a misconception that we're like super like radical or like and it's it's really it's not radical. It's open mind. It's open mindedness. It's being able to kind of go on the fly and learn things and unlearn things and to be willing to kind of just switch at a moment's notice. And. I think our generation is very, very well versed in adapting, especially with, you know, how how quickly things change. In our politics episode, we'll talk to young people who are both liberal and conservative. And finally, we asked members of Gen Z how they thought they'd change the country. I think that in regards to the country, it will change what it means to be American for the better, just because for like generations it's always been like white protestants is what is american or what is generally accepted that way but i think like the statistic is like in 2040 or 2050 the country will be um majority minority so i think that that will that at least since our generation is the first one to truly be partaking in that and to be the most diverse in like not just on racial lines but through all of these different lines of marginalizations and different identities um i think it will help to just better define who belongs in our country um and to affirm that we all can call this place home and we don't have to feel or we don't have to leave our identity at the door in order to do that whatever that identity may be Let's talk about the world Gen Z is coming up in. Older generations are confronting issues of race, too. Monmouth University polling found in June 2020 that the number of people who consider racial and ethnic discrimination to be a problem has increased from about half in 2015 to nearly three in four in 2020. Generation Z mostly sees their own diversity as a strong suit, although a challenging one. And we talked to a researcher who backs them up, saying their growing racial and ethnic diversity will be a good thing for policy and for society. I want to bring up something I'm guessing people are thinking right now. Racism is not new. So why are we talking about it with Gen Z? Well, first, there's the nationwide conversation on racial justice taking place here in 2020, but there's also this. 
Well, so the reason we're, we're having more discussion about race and ethnicity is because the country is changing more, more dramatically in terms of the, 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 the growth in the uh, Hispanic population, the Asian American population uh, as being part of our, our, our you know, overall makeup. Black population is about the same level it's been before. So, uh, so there's, there's that kind of issue and, and kind of the tie to immigration, the kind of the political environment that we're in. That was William Fry from the Brookings Institution. So basically he says, you know, it's the times we're in, but what makes racial issues today different from what they were in the past? I think simply it's that as the country becomes more diverse, racial issues affect more people than ever. And I also think technology plays a role too, you know? It feels like we're talking about race and everything more because we have more ways to do so than ever. We reached out to a psychologist about this to find out her thoughts on what makes Generation Z different than previous generations. Linda Oshevsky is a doctor of psychology at Pace University in New York City. I think every generation thinks that things are worse for either their particular generation or the next generation, right? I think that's just a human condition. You know, everybody feels anxiety about these things, but it seems like Gen Z can't escape them. And I can't help but wonder if, you know, social media has, is having a, a great impact. Researchers are only just beginning to get a full picture of the effect that social media has on mental health. What we do know is that according to the CDC, suicide rates from people ages 10 to 24 were stable from 2000 to 2007. But then between 2007 and 2017, the suicide rate went up by 56%. Gen Z would be the first to tell you that mental health is a big issue for them. We've seen just how intense social media can be in the era of Gen Z. Think about how hashtag MeToo blew up on social media and had ramifications for powerful men and women in every industry. And think about how people across the country watched the viral video of George Floyd dying in police custody with an officer's knee on his neck. And that's not even the first video these young people have seen like that. They've seen videos of Tamir Rice, Eric Garner, Ahmaud Arbery, and many more. The footage is coming both from people's cell phones and from police body-worn cameras. I'm a young millennial, and when I was their age, I saw stuff like this on the news, but it didn't follow me around on a cell phone. There's just no avoiding these kinds of stories now, and they're even live-streamed. The only thing I have to say is I genuinely believe that lots of people in my generation have been forced to mature earlier. And I know that that sounds strange, but the fact that we are introduced to media at a far younger age, the fact that we are introduced to world problems at a far younger age, and the fact that we are introduced to a more salient environment at a younger age than most other people had to be. You'll hear that kind of thing a lot from Gen Z. It's not all bad. The young people we talk to want to tackle race issues head on. Overall, they just want equity, and for the most part, they want unity. On upcoming episodes, Gen Z will talk about what it's like to be a part of such a diverse generation. We'll have episodes on demographics, ethnic studies, politics, mental health, internet culture, and how these kids are already changing the United States. We learned so much from talking to Gen Z, and we can't wait to share more of their views with you. Let's close this episode with a little sample of an interview with India Griffin, who you've already heard a little bit from. I asked her if she thought her generation was in a good place to improve race relations. 
I hope so. I mean, I, I really do hope that uh, conversations like these are helping people understand that um, they're, they're like the way that we've been talked to about race is problematic and we're kind of the people that can change that conversation, especially because, I mean, as you said, we're like the most racially diverse and so part of our identity in coming up and like our like coming of age story is deciding how are we going to talk about this moving forward and what does race mean to us? Um, I, like there's some people that like, talk about like a post-racial society because you know race was invented like we can uninvent it and like stop making it important and I think that that's not really gonna happen but we can still like control the way that we speak about race and like the impact that it has on people's lives. Thanks for listening to this episode of Hello Gen Z, the first in a mini-series podcast from the San Diego Union-Tribune. On our next episode, we'll dive more into the demographics and how this generation got to be who they are. This episode was the work of many people, so we'd like to thank them for helping us put it together, starting with the members of Generation Z who helped it come to life. We'll introduce you to many more of them in later episodes, but on this episode, you heard, in order of appearance, Gail Itor, India Griffin, M. Valladolid, Nikki Sanchez, Feroza Aziz, Ana de Almeida Amaral, Allison Aiken, Emily Johnson, Oliver Kravarik, Khadija Abdul-Mateen, Ryan Roden, and Jacob Sutherland. For more from Generation Z, check out uniontrib.com slash hellogenz. Matthew Hall is our project editor. Beto Alvarez is our creative director. Gloria Orbegozo is our designer. John Kelly and Alejandro Tamayo are our video producers. And I, Christy Totten, along with Abby Hamblin, reported, wrote, and produced this series. Special thanks to Luis Cruz, the 2019 summer interns at the San Diego Union Tribune, and all of the experts and organizations who contributed to our understanding of Gen Z. Also thanks to Point Like Sound Studios for some of the music we used. If you enjoyed this introductory episode, there's so much more where that came from. Please let your friends know about this series and spread the love. See you next time.